Hi, this is Steve Berlin of Los Lobos. You're listening to WMNF, Tampa, Florida. The opinions presented on the Healthy Steps show are the evidence-based opinions of Dr. Fred Harvey, the callers, and his guests. These are not the opinions of the staff, the volunteers, or the board of WMNF. The information provided on the show is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. There is no implied patient-physician relationship in these calls. The nature of the calls is educational and informational only. Good morning, my fellow voyagers in life, and welcome to the Healthy Steps Radio Show here on WMNF Tampa, where truth and great music both proudly call it their home and the only radio station recommended by four out of five dentists. And I never really thought very highly of the fifth tooth jerker anyway. Today's show is again dedicated to you. It is our Ask Me Anything edition of the Healthy Steps Radio Show, the purest vincula between you and Dr. Harvey. So today is not the day to be timorous or bashful. You are the person to ask that question that has always been waiting quietly yet incessantly in your mind. Yes, my kindred soul, you are the only one that can ask that question. By now, you know what to do. If you have any medical questions or concerns, just give us a little jingle at 813-239-9663. Irene has dedicated her morning to taking your call. And you can also send an email to dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. Well, Dr. Fred... This is sort of a bright new shiny silver dollar of a day, so let's not dawdle. I'm excited about the almost limitless possibilities of AMA Monday, so let's get this show on the road and find out what ails or troubles your listeners. So take it away, Dr. Harvey. Well, good morning, and thanks for that wonderful Monday morning introduction, Bill. I um, I am really uh, hoping that uh, my audio is good because I'm having a little trouble hearing you today. The uh, show today, um, I was doing some reading and I came across some interesting information that um, uh, got my attention. Um, There's um, a very interesting thing going on with our research with viruses. Viruses tend to be um, thought of as having a unique way of interacting with the body and each virus has its own personality, so to speak. Um, But there seems to be with the advent of the COVID um, uh, pandemic, amazing amounts of research into the way viruses interact with us. And the HIV epidemic also created a similar kind of um, uh, look inward because this was a very complex, it is a very complex virus and, and, and is difficult to deal with. I saw an article that says that brain microglia, this is a type of white blood cell in the brain, serve as a persistent HIV reservoir despite durable antiretroviral therapy. In other words, on therapy, people still have a reservoir of this virus in an immune cell in the brain. And here's the interesting thing. It's not the immune cell that we thought was the most important one, the T lymphocyte. T lymphocytes are the ones that HIV infects and reduces the amount of the helper types of cells so there's less immunity. It turns out that microglia, these are 
macrophage-related cells. This is a different kind of white blood cell. This is something we weren't expecting them in. This is something that Bruce Patterson and his group discovered um, back in, um, I think it was in the uh, uh, mid-90s, um, uh, possibly uh, a little bit later, but his group found that there was a reservoir of HIV and macrophages. This is in, in, in the blood. Macrophages and microglia in the brain are related. It seems that the macrophages from the blood tend to set up shop in the brain and stay there, and they call them microglia. They're, they're a whole related line of cells. And so there is a uh, an issue here in that the cells in the brain hold on to um, a, a, a bit of this virus which can replicate. And we found this, the Patterson group also was looking for something similar in SARS-CoV-2 infection, and indeed they found it. Um, last January, uh, Patterson and his group published that one of the underlying mechanisms is this distinct immunologic condition that keeps going on, and it seems that it's actually going through macrophages in the blood, a non-classical monocyte. And what it's doing is setting up an ongoing feed-forward mechanism, these cells in both the brain with HIV, and it seems now also there's evidence coming up with SARS-CoV-2 that they induce a pattern of inflammation that includes um, cytokines and um, interleukins and other communication molecules of inflammation. Both patterns are very similar. Both can cause destruction of the organs that they're involved with, and so the brain fog of long COVID and the brain fog or what's been called AIDS brain or HIV brain, they're, they're working on a similar path through a non-typical cell. And despite using the typical antiretroviral therapy um, that everybody who has HIV is put on if they have access to it, this actually results in a very interesting situation. And so... We're finding new pathways that we can actually treat the long-term consequences of infection. And we're finding out that it's actually not the virus infection that is actually killing people. It sets up process in the body that does that. So beta SARS-CoV-2 virus and the HIV virus are not directly deadly viruses. They induce things in people that change the body, and that's what kills. COVID-19 is an immune disease, and AIDS is an immune disease. And so we need to continue to reframe our view of the way we look at viruses, viral infections, and attach meaning to them. Um, considering that Patterson found not the virus persistent in the macrophages, but the spike protein continues to be present in the macrophages. The spike protein is actually what causes the inflammation. And so um, putting the spike protein into the body um, stimulates this same pathway. And that's why one of the studies that I've read, there's about 15 on my list, one of them talked about how the um, inflammatory pathway um, is, is really what's causing the, the, the damage, and, and we need to really pay attention um, to that as a potential treatment source and not to actually trying to reduce uh, the replication of the virus specifically. 
Um, so anti-retroviral therapy or antiviral therapy is not necessarily going to stop the process. We need to actually um, uh, work on these atypical other cells and reduce their production of the inflammatory signal. The inflammatory signal is actually what's doing the damage. It's it's ruining the brain, the vascular system, and the organs that are involved. And um, because all these systems work together, it works like a family. And I got to remember that we we have a family here. We have a community. The uh, WMNF community is one of the strongest, longest communities of people supporting each other that I know of. Forty four years and. Um, I think we fell a bit short on our fun drive last week, and I just wanted to put out there the tip jars open. Uh, we're always uh, uh, ready to accept some help at the station to keep this community alive and vibrant. And I think we have some callers on the line as well. Actually, we do. We've got uh, a full board right now, but I'm still going to give on out the phone number. It's 813-239-9663. Or send your emails to dj at wmnf.org. And this is my favorite show, the Ask Me Anything show. So let's get started. I believe we got Jerry. Good morning, Jerry. Hey, how's it going, Doc? Great, Jerry. How are you today? Uh, well, good. I've, I've missed your program, but I recommend it to everybody. The, like the greatest show on earth. It's like well, replacing you. Ringling Brothers. so my question is usually about other people's stuff but today it's about me so you ready for this go for it so it's like so i'm i just turned 62 and and i've always been able to do pull-ups you know i'm trying to stay in shape and um so lately wmnf what's your name oh you're still there yes still here Okay, so so then I so then I've always weighed 145. In the last few years, I've gained 10 pounds, but I feel really good. So now, like the job I have is real physical, and it uses my upper body a lot. And I I, I think I'm tending to torque. It's like an arm torque thing, both arms at the same time. So so now I'm feeling the joints in my elbows. Not all the time, but I can't do pull-ups. Like, I used to be able to do, like, 15 pull-ups, and now when I'm doing pull-ups, I'm, I'm feeling like, hey, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. So that's, that's the main question, but I did want to ask you about Neem if you had times, but I don't want to tie up the line. You know what I mean? I got you. So uh, once again, right. what, uh, what do you think triggered the shift that um, caused your elbows to not feel good? Well, well, what I what I've noticed is um, I have a, a very physical job, which I'm using my upper body a lot, which like like torques laterally my my arms, and um, that's the only thing I can associate with it. I don't know if that's the cause or not. It's not like the pain isn't like constant, constant, constant. But if I go to the gym and I start trying to do pull ups, I'm going, wait a minute, this doesn't it doesn't feel quite right. So I'm not. I'm backing off on that, and I'm either going to do assisted pull-ups or something else, like a pull-down or something. Well, um, so... Oh, wait, wait. Here's here's what's interesting. If I do a pull-down and control the weight, it, it's not painful. But if I try to do a pull-up, you know, it, it, it oh, hurts a little bit. How about the pull-up with the assist? Um, do you have one of those uh, pull-up assist machines? Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. And that was recommended to me this morning, actually, over at Planet Fitness, which I think is a great job. Does reducing the weight reduce your your, uh, stress on it? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you're overstraining those muscles. Um, Is the job new? 
Say again? Is your job new, doing a new stress on you? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's completely okay. different. And I think it yeah. might be this particular thing I'm doing. That I'm, and I don't have to do this thing. I'm kind of just pushing it. And it's like, but I notice it, has, it. Apparently, that's the only association I can make. Work on ergonomics. Yeah, you got to fix that. That you're you're doing this to yourself. It sounds like. It sounds like it. I needed you to tell me that though. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you want to talk about Neem, or you want to get to the next caller? Well, I, I'll just uh, mention my my overview of Neem. It seems to be a very good um, um, plant that has a lot of properties that's been used in uh, Indian Ayurvedic medicine for many, many, many centuries. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I mean, with any any plant substance, uh, don't believe the hyperbole. It's all hype. Um, you know, acai berries are wonderfully high in antioxidants. However, um, there are so many other things that are comparable in antioxidants. It doesn't really matter if you eat the food that has the most antioxidant per gram of flesh. That's just going a little far out into um, um, wonderland from my perspective. We don't need to import right. antioxidants from around the world simply because they have the most. There are lots of good ones. I mean, blueberries and acai berries for me, one is from one culture in one area and one is from another. So Ayurveda says eat local, eat, eat uh, seasonal. Um, and so, um, you know, the, the Indians use neem. I don't have a problem. Right, using how, neem. How, how do you, I, well, I bought my, after 62 years, I bought my first tree. It took me 62 years. I finally got one because I use it all the time. What about psoriasis? Have you tried it for psoriasis? Well, I don't, I don't look at things that way, honestly. Okay. Well, um, that, I'm, I'm just experimental. I'm like, uh, hey. what is it called? Yeah. What are those guys called? The, what are um, those guys? You're an experimenter, but, but let me just make a point yeah. about the, the the disease orientation. So I try to avoid talking about labels. <clears throat> no, psoriasis right. is a good place to start, but what it means is our immune system is pissed off. So if we have tools of any kind, including neem, that would help to modulate the way our immune system is being aggressive with us, then we use those tools to help get fixed. Exactly. And what's the name for the experimental dude that just experiments with all kinds of medicines and scientific data and but not necessarily from a scientific educational perspective. There's a name for it. Bio, biohacker. Biohacker. Well, no, no, there's another ancient name for it. I can't remember. It's not coming to my mind. It's like, what is it called? There's a name. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I'm just going to say crazy. <laughs> but here, I'll try that one. No, like the scientist, <laughs> the scientist guy that experiments with everything. It's old as the hills. It's ancient. Oh, you know, um... Yeah, you're talking about, um, I'm blanking right now, maybe Bill has it. So I'm blanking too, so that makes two of us. If you think of it, just shout it out on air. I, I will do that when it comes. It's going to show up. It starts with an A. Um, alchemist, alchemist, alchemist. Okay, bingo, bingo. You're the science guy. You're the mystery. All right. <laughs> we got to move on. This is fun. Okay, thank you very much there, Jerry. You have a great day. <laughs> and I've got Barry and Casey waiting. Let's go to Casey. Good morning, Casey. Casey? Casey, let's go to Barry. Good morning, Barry. Good morning, Dr. Harvey. I wanted to get your opinion on my cholesterol medication. So a brief history. I've been taking uh, statins for 30 plus years. I've never had wow. any kind of side effects. Um, I did a, a calcium score test about a year ago. 
and my cardiologist immediately bumped my statins to 80 milligrams. Um, after about six months, he put me on Praluent. Now, after six months of being on Praluent, my total cholesterol is now down to like um, 130s, and my LDLs are in the low 40s. So I'm very happy with the results of my medication. My question is, at this point, should I enjoy the low LDL numbers, or should I maybe reduce the statins that I'm taking? Um, well, I'd like to get some more information. What, um, what was the history that you had that has you on a statin for 30 years? Um, found out, uh, my mother had high cholesterol, uh, so I'm pretty sure it's hereditary. Uh, I found out back in my twenties, uh, when I was, you know, I mean, I've always been an athlete. I'm, you know, I'm 65, but I run, swim, I, you know, every day. Um, but, uh, like I said, back uh, in my late 20s, early 30s, I found out I had a cholesterol around, I think it was close to 300. Mm. So, so um, you know, um, there are very few people that actually have familial hyperlipidemia. And quite often, um, when we have some um, familial uh, genes that don't work well with certain diets, but yet our, our um, diet is what we've had from birth and we continue with that we might have a mismatch in the food with the genes and changing the food might actually <clears throat> change the cholesterol without having to take a medication um, i don't usually put anybody on a statin um and unless they have cardiovascular disease and at 23 or whatever it was that you started on it you probably didn't what was your coronary calcium score this time um 1100 okay so you have some um, old um, calcified plaque there. Um, and and I have never seen any evidence that the statins or praluent actually remove calcium. I, I don't know no, that that's I, even... I was told that the damage is done, but what the goal is at this point is to stop that from getting any higher. Yes. So how high was your cholesterol when they put you on um a proluent um for the last uh half dozen years my cholesterol has been hovering right around 200. okay so, that sounds pretty reasonable and what was your ldl um i believe it was it was around the 140s so that sounds to me like on a statin with those numbers some dietary changes needed to occur yeah, my diet's always been relatively good. Uh, I, mean, yes. I don't know if you're talking about different types of food. I don't eat a lot of fatty foods. Um, don't eat a lot of red meat. Eat, eat quite a you bit might of actually, fish. You might actually want some of those things. Not sure. I think it would be worth it to actually get a full panel and see what your um, makeup is as far as your lipid panel. But um, there is some uh, suggestion that when you have a LDL cholesterol that's under 60, you might actually be working on unraveling your nervous system since cholesterol makes up 10% of your um, the fat in your brain. Um, okay. And it also is responsible for helping make your hormones, both sex hormones and stress hormones, cortisol. And so 
I really question whether someone who's never had a heart attack should ever be on a, a, a dose of a cholesterol medicine that would get your cholesterol down that low. Um, mm-hmm. And the indication really for Proluent is if you have unstable cardiovascular disease and, and you're running the risk of a heart attack, um, uh, that's really the indication. I'm not sure you even meet the criteria for taking an injectable $40,000 a year medication. Yeah, yeah. But I was just excited that my cholesterol was low. <laughs> yeah, I don't get that excited over that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, okay, so I will present those questions. But in the meantime, my original. Well, if you present those questions, if you present those questions to your cardiologist, he's going to laugh and say, "Stay on what you're on," because cardiologists yeah. are the least likely of least likely of all the specialties to ever change a medication that is their patients are on. Sure. So, mm-hmm. who should I? venture to, to to ask those questions a functional medicine doctor okay functional medicine doctor okay i will do that i will do that you know i mean i i took the stress test the nuclear stress test and you know they they laughed at me because i was on the treadmill for so long before I, they got my you know heart rate up to where they wanted it uh, well, are you are you on a, a a a beta blocker or something that slows your heart rate down? No. Then you're an athlete. You're very well conditioned, and um, it's hi- highly unlikely you have any significant cardiovascular disease. If you have a stress test that shocks the cardiologist about how strong you are, um, you sound like the least likely person to be at risk for a myocardial infarction. And I would consider getting a consult with somebody who talks about heart disease in a different manner than a prescriptionist. Okay. Yeah, I will do that. I will do that because they told me I had less than one percent risk of having a heart attack at this. And point. So then you don't even you don't even actually meet the the indication for proluent because it's indicated to reduce your risk of myocardial infarction. If you're at one percent risk, the chances of you having one is pretty low. So why would you add a forty thousand dollar injectable? Understood. Understood. Okay, I'll go down that road. I appreciate your input. You're very welcome. Have a great day. Thank you. And good luck Bye-bye. with that. Bye bye. Thank you there, Barry, and good luck to you there. And I do have Amy waiting patiently, but I'm going to do a few more seconds here to tell folks that you are listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey, and you're encouraged to participate by calling 813-239-9663 or continue sending your emails to dj at wmnf.org. Good morning to you there, Amy. Hi. Um, okay, can I put my phone on speaker or no? Will it distort my voice? Oh, well, let's find out. Okay, let me try it. <laughs> okay, because I'm in a kind of, kind of noisy where I'm at in a parking lot. But um, anyways, um, I slipped and fell. I'm literally flat on my face in a, in a parking lot on some grease. And, you know, at first I was, this is like January 20th. At first I was concerned about my face. Like, oh, no, it's like my nose flattened. And... And um, any, anyway, all the things, nothing broke. I, I guess there was a minor break in my nose, but everything healed up except now I have tinnitus or tinnitus, however people say it differently. But I still have that, and I was told it would go away. But it seems like it's getting more, and I don't know. You know, when it happened, I was fully conscious. I got right up, and but... Um, they said, oh, it's better that you didn't fall on your, the back of your head. And 
you know, being that it was like face, I'm like, well, I don't know about that, but so I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know about that either because you get concussed either way. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it was painful, you know, and it was scary. And I, like yeah. I said, I thought, boy, I felt like my nose went right back in my brain. So anyway, so now I have this and I don't know. I mean, so when, when you, when you experienced this, did you have any other thing happen when you fell? Uh, did you pass out? Did you have any other neurologic symptoms? No, no, that's the whole thing. I, I got right up and I was just like, I can't believe this just happened. <laughs> so is the, ringing, mean, is the ringing both ears or one ear? Both. It seems like, well, okay. you know, I can plug my ears and it rings. It doesn't, it's not in my ear. Right. It's nervous. Yeah. And so it's it's bilateral. So that means it's not one of the acoustic nerves. It's both of them. So um, it sounds to me like you probably had a concussion um, and the ringing could be due to that. But ringing for me also um, is a sign of toxicity. There could be something else going on. People often after an exposure like to pesticides or something like that have some increase in ringing in the ears. Um, so I think it is worth it for you to see a neurologist to get an evaluation about that. Uh, and you might want to get a hearing test because, you know, ringing in the ears is directly associated to loss of high frequency hearing. And that could be something you were already experiencing. The injury may have brought it forth. But, um, yeah, you deserve a neurologic workup. Okay. Yes, yeah, that's what I haven't done. I've seen um, CRTs. But, um, well, I did a hearing test. And my hearing's okay. Okay. And nothing seems to be, you know, I, just, I had a bump in my forehead and it's still kind of weird up there. I had sunglasses on and they like embedded and they didn't even break, but they embedded like in the, you know, there's a dent <laughs> at my brow, but it, it's just all, I mean, it just, it seems like all the things are, I mean, I, I go to a nutritional doctor that I, I had a whole panel. Everything's uh -huh. really good. Yeah. So it sounds to me like you had other Sounds like a brain injury, a brain injury that was yeah. followed by a uh, neurologic symptom, and you deserve a neurologic workup. Okay, so all right, I'll go do that. It's something I haven't done, and I don't know how to. They, I mean, can I even operate on it? <laughs> Um, what they can do is find out what's going on. They can do MRIs. Um, they can do a neurologic exam. Um, and then if you don't find anything there, it may be worth it to do a toxicity workup with a functional medicine doctor. Look to see if you have uh, pesticides, petrochemicals, or uh, toxic metals inside of you that are disturbing your um, nervous system function. Okay. I've done chelation before years ago, but... Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. What do you feel about um, CT scans? Um, well, I think in this situation, an MRI is probably going to reveal more data, but um, okay. CT scans can too. CT scans just have more radiation and they look at yeah. different uh, yeah. sets of tissues. Right. Okay. All right. Well, it's interesting. I mean, they, they, uh, they, the doctors, oh, it's, it's going to eventually go away. And it's not so. It know. usually does. Um, you know, uh, 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 if you have an acute uh, tinnitus ringing in the ear, it, it often will go away in three to six months. But if the um, reason for it is persistent, then it's not going to. And, and so you may have had an injury. You may have some, have some toxicity. Um, definitely worth looking deeper. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Right. Well, thank you, Amy. And let's go to Diane. Good morning, Diane. Uh can you hear Hi, Diane. Me? I can. Oh, great. Okay, I have a quick question. Uh, my husband is 58 and I'm 54. 
Uh, we're athletical and we eat well. Uh, my husband developed an autoimmune um, issue back when he was in his teens, and he developed psoriasis. Uh, we were married when he was 23. I was 21, 20, uh, he was 24, I was 21. So we were young. Uh, we were really into jet ski racing and mountain bike racing, and he developed a pain in his hip. Anyway, uh, long story short, he developed psoriatic arthritis, extremely yes. bad in the 90s. So he was on all the trials. Da, 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 da. He finally got on Humira. We have a great doctor, thank God. You know, um, But now um, he's doing much better. We moved to Florida 10 years ago, and he's swimming and riding, and he's really looking great. Um, I just get concerned. We do really watch what we eat now. Um, he did have a lot of stress growing up, which we have now eliminated um, and even examined, you know, um, some mental things, therapy and things like that. So we've got that under control. My question is alcohol consumption. Uh, he does like his beer after work, you know what I mean? And then we, you know, do have a few on the boat on the weekend. I'm just concerned that I'm really sensitive to it sensitive to alcohol consumption now menopause you know what i mean so but my husband he he i'm just wondering does that affect the autoimmune system i mean like a few beers is that okay or do you abstain and have zero so, what we know about beer is that it's made with gluten and right. so most beer is going to bother most people with autoimmune disease too we know that alcohol is a integrity disruptor. It ruins the lining of the gastrointestinal tract, and right. it is metabolized by the liver. More than two ounces a day is not well metabolized by the liver. You need you have the ability to clear about two ounces total a day, and so that's wow. two beers. Um, Mira known to cause liver damage and heart failure. Alcohol is known to cause liver damage and heart failure. Humira is known to increase the risk of cancer. Alcohol is known to increase the risk of cancer. Doubling off on toxins toxifies the body and increases your risk across the board. And so my, my suggestion would be avoid gluten because okay. uh, uh, it is uh, an integrity disruptor because gluten in America is sprayed with Roundup Roundup has surfactants. Oh. Surfactants kill oh. membranes. And so anything you eat not organic gluten is likely to be poison. Um, okay. I don't see why people got all upset recently about having a bar decide to serve Bud Light. The stuff is swill anyway. And why would anybody right. want I know. to drink? I totally agree. <laughs> I, like, I like my white wine, you know. But um, we did used to drink a lot more when we were younger, of course. But, I, you know, it's funny that you say the toxins because he... He has had um, melanoma. He's had several operations on his face and his head, and then he just had his gallbladder out. So I feel... Why did he have his gallbladder out? What's he eating that's killing his gallbladder? Dairy? Pasteurized dairy? Well, he doesn't eat a lot of dairy. He, um, He does eat a lot of gluten, though. You're right. He loves pizza, cheese. Well, there you go. Pizza dairy. has That's has dairy. that crappy pasteurized cheese. Remember, pasteurized dairy is an autoimmune stimulator. Pasteurized okay. dairy has chemicals in it because of the pasteurization that trigger your immune system. So if somebody has um, an autoimmune disease, they're not eating well if they're eating pasteurized dairy and they're eating gluten. They're eating poorly. Okay. They're killing themselves okay. with food. 
I tell him this all the time, so <laughs> I have to get a recording well, of this. <laughs> I'll get well, the book. Is there a book? You have, you have the recording. Just go to the archive and uh, uh, throw something in the tip jar so that your husband understands this is important. I will. I will. <laughs> we just had this scare, and he had to have his gallbladder out, and it was eighty-two thousand okay? dollars. Yeah, and that's that's avoidable that's with old. changing your diet. Correct. Correct. All right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Put the beer in the neighbor's refrigerator. (laughs) 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 All right. Thank you so much. You guys are great. You're welcome. Have a good day. You too. All right. We got a double deck of Jerry's here. Jerry, um, a new one. And then further on down the line, about three more callers, I've got Jerry calling back. So let's go to Jerry number one. And then we'll go to Elizabeth Barney and then Jerry again. Good morning, Jerry. Jerry, number Hi, one, I guess. Yes. How are you, uh, Doctor Harvey? <clears throat> I just had um, I've had some low um, blood work done on my for my checking my vitamin D, and back in February I had one done, and um, the range is between eighteen and seventy-two, and mine came back as fourteen. And uh, fourteen is way. deficient, flat out. Pardon me. Fourteen in 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 my vitamin D world is deficient. Excuse me. So your vitamin D is deficient. What would you like to know? Well, uh, you say it is sufficient? Deficient. You have not enough vitamin D with a level of 14. Is that 25 OH vitamin D? Well, I'm taking uh, 6,000 units of uh, international units of vitamin D every day. Sounds like you're not absorbing it very well. I guess not. Well, I have, I had one kidney removed, so I don't know if that would have anything to do with it or not. I'm, no, absorption has to do with your gut. Generally, vitamin D is fat-soluble, and taking it with a fatty meal is a better choice. I see. Um, I am taking probiotics every night. Um, okay. Do you take your D with a fatty meal or with oatmeal? I usually take my vitamin D in the mornings, with uh, <clears throat> sometimes with oatmeal, sometimes with cereal. Okay, both of those won't help the D get absorbed. I'd take it with dinner with some meat. Okay, I'll change my, uh, I'll change that to dinner time then. And um, is there anything else I can do? I mean, I, I, I walk about 15, 20 minutes a day. I'm 76 years old, so I'm trying to get some sunlight every day. Yeah, that's good. Um, you might you might actually need to in, increase that dose, but um, I would... Um, yeah, I would if if you do increase the dose, I would get the level checked again in a month or two. Okay, what was it? What would be the highest dose that you would uh, recommend? Um, for a month or two, you could probably do ten thousand units and then get checked and see if it's come up after you've changed the timing and eat it with some fatty food to get it absorbed better. Okay, very good. All right, well, I guess that answers kind of answers my question. Now I'll try that. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, thank you there, Jerry. And Elizabeth has been waiting patiently. Good morning, Elizabeth. Hi, good morning, Um, My name is Elizabeth. I'm a 25-year-old young woman, and I was calling because I have some issues with my menstrual cycle, and I've never touched hormonal birth control for the 10 years that I have had a period. And um, I know on both sides of my family, women have complained of the heaviness. So I've just been brooding it out 
I've transitioned to free bleeding, so I'm not using tampons or pads, but instead just like soaking method and then swapping things out as the month goes. But I was just curious if you had any tips or more holistic tips for young women who are looking to preserve their fertility and have children like within the next five years or so. Um, well, if you're having painful and, and excessive periods and problems with it, um, oral contraception does stabilize it. And there's some evidence actually that if you do, uh, if you haven't had babies by 25 and you use oral contraception, you'll reduce your risk of breast cancer. Um, on the other hand, um, cleaning up the diet and getting rid of inflammatory uh, substances and making sure you have great balance of your omega acids, you know, lower the omega-6s, stop using uh, as many seed oils, uh, move over to um, uh, um, uh, ghee, um, some coconut oil, olive oil, um, and uh, uh, even add some uh, flax oil in, fish oil is a wonderful good thing to uh, add on a daily basis. And then things that help metabolize hormones better um, are uh, uh, the, the chemicals in the brassica family, uh, broccoli and cabbage. Um, they help to uh, move these uh, through your body. And uh, green tea extract does the same thing or just drinking some green tea. Um, and so uh, uh, there are a lot of different substances that you can use, but making sure that you um, uh, hydrate well and you have um, uh, at least um, two bowel movements a day to keep the detoxified hormones moving out of your body because uh, a good portion of them are uh, put out in bile and you have to excrete them in your feces or they get reabsorbed. Mm. And so yeah. these things all really help to um, move that along. Okay. okay, I appreciate it. Thank you. You're so welcome. Good luck with that. Thank you. Thank you there, Elizabeth and Barry. Good morning, Barry. Hello, Barry. Bernie? Bernie. Hey, Bernie. Hey. Hey, Dr. Ari. Thank you guys so much for your show. It's always good. I have a young daughter. She's 19, about to be 20. And ever since about five, six She's had migraines. Mm. She did have a bad go-kart accident, which is actually my fault. But uh, I didn't do the proper training first. But anyway, even I got off early today, came home. She's in her bedroom with cold packs on her head. She's got to say dark places, no noise to make them go away. Over any extra exertion, I mean, she's fit, she's thin, she's young, she's healthy. And after the accident, she went to all children's brain scans, everything checked out okay. But she, like every other third day or fourth day, and me and my wife have went through and taken away stuff, no soda, none of this, none of that, and she still gets them. I was just wondering if you know, should there, we go for more tests for her or... So actually, uh, a couple things. Um, this, you seem to believe, occurred after a uh, physical injury. Yeah, she is on okay. a car. All right. So there's a possibility that there is a misalignment of her spine. And so the question is, has she had chiropractic evaluation and adjustment? Uh, no, we never did. We did discuss it, and I did suggest it several times because I've I'm a firm believer in Carl. 
Okay, so with the history of an injury that young, um, it makes sense to me to do a physical evaluation to make sure that the headache is not related to a um, uh, atlas uh, and and uh, um, uh, skull base misalignment. That's that's not uncommon, um, but. Um, if it really is a true vascular migraine, there's some really interesting um, new medications out that actually work in a completely different way from the previous uh, migraine um, approaches. And I've had at least one person who's had a really good result. There's one that's that's um, um, meant for prevention. It's called atogapant, A-T-O-G-E-P-A-N-T. And uh, branded Culipta, that one prevents. And then to break the cycle uh, of a severe uh, headache, um, uh, there's another one called Ubrelvi, and I'm blanking on what its generic name is. But uh, my uh, 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 patient who's had migraines for 40 years has had great relief with this Ubrelvi, and it works completely differently. People that have had failures with other ones seem to be able to do well with this one. So there's there's some options out there. Um, and I would go with the physical evaluation first because you think it came from a physical injury. This is really important because there's no amount of medication you can use to fix a physical malalignment of the spine on the skull. Okay. So first things first, get her into a decent Cairo. Well, definitely get that. And maybe in the meantime, if she has a migraine doctor, ask for one of the new medicines like Ubrelvi. Yeah, she ain't got a migraine dealer. Right after the accident, she did go to the emergency ward. And from there, we did get uh, MRIs. We did get a brain scan from all children. And everything came back negative and positive. Yeah, but they didn't look at her spine. They didn't. They didn't do a physical evaluation of of spinal restrictions, and I think that's really important here because that could be a source of headache. All right. Um, I know you can't suggest a Cairo out in Spring Hill, but I can't. I don't know anybody out there. So um, uh, yeah, uh, ask around with your friends. Look online for reviews. Read the reviews. Don't do just stars and see who you got locally. Yeah, I I've actually got. Lots of spine issues, but I actually just try to do my exercises that I was taught and how to recuperate and keep my spine straight. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I haven't found anybody that I like around here. But I'll look well, into it. I will find somebody to help her. And I'll you will. have my wife listen with my, to your archives with me, and we'll try out that new medicine. Best wishes. Yeah, it's best. I was sorry to hear about all this bad news about beer because that's my second hobby. <laughs> and just to throw this out there, I had an old Navy guy. I was digging a hole in his front yard for work, rubbing my hands because arthritis. I'm only 50. He told me, get off the glucosamine, go to extract of alfalfa. And every time it runs out, everything stops popping and getting sore, which I let it run out. As soon as it runs out, my elbows start popping. So anybody out there, extract of alfalfa. But the stuff I used to use, I just found out they quit making. So, but it it helps me. I don't know what your thoughts about alfalfa extract is, but it did work for me. Sounds like a good food for cows, but I'm not sure about for humans. I haven't really studied it much. You know, I, I can so, tell. Hey, Bernie, it's great talking with you. And good yeah. luck on... Uh, on all that. All right. 
Thank you very Thank much, you Barney, very much, and sir. good luck to your uh, daughter there. And I'm um, going to give down to about 10 more minutes. I'm going to give out the number one more time. It's 813-239-9663 to participate in the Healthy Steps radio show with Dr. Fred Harvey on Ask Me Anything Monday. We'll go to Tonda with a stroke question and then go to Jerry, too. Good morning, Tonda. Hi, doctor. Um, I'm not going to keep you long. I just have a question. Um, I know that there's two types of stroke, um, but particularly with I think it's called hypertensive stroke. Um, in your opinion, do you think that seizures happen right after these type of strokes, hypertensive? Tonda, that's that's um, uh, a really uh, insightful question about that. Um, seizures can occur with any kind of brain injury. Doesn't matter which type of stroke you get, but if you have a brain injury, you can get a seizure. Um, it doesn't happen in all strokes, but it can happen. Um, most of the times, it doesn't happen. I've not seen many seizures in people with strokes, but yes, I have seen them. Um, it's not the most frequent occurrence. Um, so, um, have you had a seizure after a stroke? Yes. Um, and um, yeah, my husband had a seizure. Um, 24 hours after the stroke and he seemed to have took a turn for the worse after the seizure. Um, but my other question is, do you think it would have been a good idea for him to have received, um, I know it's medications that either prevent strokes or lessen the possibility of them happening. Do you think that it that it would have been proper procedure for him to have received a stroke medicine, I mean, a seizure medicine right after the stroke? Um, when he had the seizure, that's when it's appropriate to treat the seizure. If he's not having a seizure, it's not appropriate then. And there's no, okay. I've never seen anyone use prevention for seizures in most strokes. It's not something that I've seen as a usual clinical practice. Okay. Uh, that that was my question in my mind because I was thinking that, you know, if medical professionals know that stroke, I mean, that seizures happen right after strokes, then why not um, issue um, a seizure preventative? There's so a couple of reasons. One, um, the, the, the seizure medicines have their own adverse consequences that may cloud the sensorium and the cognition of the individual being sedated by those medications. And so if they've already had a stroke and you give them a medicine that messes up the way they think, you might think that's due to the stroke. Second thing is okay. strokes are pretty rare after most, um, uh, stroke. I mean, seizures are pretty rare after most strokes. So I wouldn't pre-medicate for something that only happens in some people. Thank you, doctor. You're wonderful. God bless you always. God bless you too. Thank you. All right. Bye now. All right. Well, bye thank bye. you hey, there. I got a, I got an email. I got to add, add in here. Go um, for it. Following up on the tinnitus. Um, hey, doc, seems my tinnitus improved after my ear. Finally, uh, 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 the, the, the the wax plug in my ear cleaned up, and I think that might be helpful for some. And yes, my, or, uh, in St. Pete, that is helpful. Um, but that's why I asked the woman if it was two-sided or one-sided. Most people get 
the ringing in the ear from an ear bl- uh, a wax block in one ear canal. And so you can deal with that. Usually it's not both at the same time. <laughs> so that is helpful. All righty. I'm going to go to Jerry one and I've got Andy and Victoria on the line. So Jerry, be swift. Thanks. I'll, I'll be fast. So, Doc, actually, these were generated from your previous callers, one from the cholesterol guy and two from the migraine guy. Both excellent questions, right? Yes. So t- so take your pick. Um, I have a thing on the migraine thing. Whatever you want to ask, go for it. The cholesterol thing, um, what a... What what's your take on it? Is it do you think it's pharmaceutically driven? I'm I, everybody I talk to. I, I mean, I talk to people. They take cholesterol medicine. It you know swift, Jerry. That's it. What do you think? So. so- um, cholesterol medicine is overprescribed and overutilized in this country because we do not actually practice healthcare in this country. Prescriptionists give prescriptions for everything because they think there's a pill for every ill. That's a delusional way of thinking. It's illness-based thinking. It's poverty thinking. The human body will recover if you stop abusing it, and it won't make as much cholesterol if you stop doing oxidative stress because cholesterol is a response to toxicity and oxidative stress. So if you get off the merry-go-round of eating crappy food and not exercising, you might actually not need to take a cholesterol pill. And maybe we should really think about reframing our whole thought of labeling people with cholesterol and giving them pills for the rest of their lives. It's nuts. That's what that's what I'm saying. So you want to do the migraine thing or are we out of time? You can ask that one too. No, actually, no, let me move on. I have I have four minutes left. <laughs> Louis- okay, we've got Andy on the line here. Good morning, Andy. Hey, Dr. Harvey. Hey, Andy. Hello. Yeah, do you have any recommendations for uh, smart health boxes for elderly that monitors blood pressure and oxygen, et cetera? Um, so yeah, there was actually an interesting lecture about that um, uh, at the last conference I was at, where are our wearables? And um, I will review that for you, but I think what came out of there was um, if you like um, having internet connectivity and phone and such, the Apple Watch is great, but if you don't need all that, um, no. the Fitbit and then the other one, I think Garmin has one. There's like two or three others that don't do all the phone connectivity that are less expensive. And the guy that evaluated them works at a center where he evaluates medical devices like this and has patents on numerous. And he said, they're all pretty okay. And if you want the higher level, go for the Apple watch. Okay. Yeah. Looking for a lower level early. Yeah, yeah. So Fitbits and Garmin's and things like that. Just look for the one that has the features you want. He said they're all pretty effective. Okay, great. All right, thanks for your help. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you there, Andy. And we're down to the last few couple of minutes. So let's go to Victoria and wrap this little thing on up. Good morning, Victoria. Hey, Doc. I've spoken to you for briefly, but uh, became allergic to fur-bearing animals in my teens, and it progressively got worse. Can't go to a circus or a rodeo or anything like that but also flowers and different things. I went to an allergist about a year ago. He has me on drops, which I'm having to pay for out of pocket. He took me off Flonase and Montelicast, but put me on Armor Air 113 MCG inhaler, uh, Azelestine, HCI, drops, and no spray, and now back on the Montelicast. And I also take a Zyrtec equivalent. I'm tired of taking all this medicine. And I'm a cancer survivor, so I really don't like the steroids. I have an appointment with him tomorrow, and I want to have a little conversation about everything. I was wondering what your thoughts were. Um, so the uh, yeah basis of, of having this kind of reactivity um, 
uh, is genetic. We all have some predispositions to different ways of dealing with our environment. And so things that layer onto this are toxins. So is it possible that you have food toxins, environmental toxins, or other issues that are stimulating this process to go on? Things like mold in the environment, um, uh, uh, petrochemical additives, et cetera, in foods, gluten, and other things like that, pasteurized dairy. Um, are you avoiding all those kinds of things? I have a pretty clean diet, pretty much eat organic. I do make sourdough bread, and I do eat that on a fairly regular basis. Other than that, I don't really have dairy or cheese or anything on that, or I do eat eggs. So, um, and your sourdough bread is organic wheat flour? It's organic. Uh, I've been my own starter for a couple of years. I got from San Francisco. Nice, nice. Um, so you might want to um, consider switching to the European wheat, that einkorn wheat or red, red Polish red wheat that's not going to come from America. So you can definitely avoid any kind of roundup. But if you're doing organic, you're probably on that direction. Um, have you ever taken things to stabilize your mast cells like N-acetylcysteine, stinging nettle root, um, or vitamin C? No, I haven't. I see, of course, yes, but not the other two. So orthomolecular products makes a really, really nice combination called natural dehist. And it's all those things together with some bromelain. And um, I find that it really reduces allergy reactivity. Um, now, it is adding six more pills a day for a week, and then you do like two a day after that. Um, but that may stabilize you enough that you can cut back in some of the other things. I found that I don't use, I, I've had a lot of oak issues and I've got problems with my nose in the spring and it really helps me get away from those nasal steroids. But we're down to the last couple of minutes and I've got to cut you off. I hope that helped. And um, we're going to be uh, doing another show like this next week. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing from all of you. Please think about dropping some money in the tip jar to keep us flush here. Yes, capital idea. Just go to the web page and you'll find the tip jar option there waiting for you. We love you all on out there. You all have a great day. Enjoy Juneteenth. And till next week, stay healthy. Stay, take care. You have been listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Stay tuned to WMNF for a lineup that is the envy of the airwaves. Coming on up is five minutes of NPR news and then get ready for the Sustainable Living Show hosted by the Cracker Jack team of Kenny Coogan and Annie Ellis. Following Sustainable Living is a smidgen of NPR News, and then Community Speaks, the Power Hour radio show dedicated to truth and rights, hosted by Mabili. And then at 2 o'clock, it's It's the Music, hosted by Blaney Whalen, who will dig deep into the archives and pick new fruits of music to bring you a show that you won't hear anywhere else. So until next Monday at 10 a.m., thank you for supporting and listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa, your community-conscious radio station. Stay safe, stay thoughtful, and know that you are loved. Music